my friend Bar, that now he's hostage by the Hamas. His young brother called me and told me, Dean, you know where is Bar? Then he sent me a video of my friend that we see him kidnapping by the Hamas. And then I just started to cry. And that's it. That's Din Tesler. He's 21 and he lives in Tel Aviv. His best friend Bar asked him if he wanted to make 40 shekels an hour doing security at a party in the desert. That's about $10 an hour. He had a few days off from work and the extra cash would certainly come in handy. So he agreed. I have three, two days off from the work and I say, why not? It's easy money, you don't do a lot. But who knows that it's gonna be happening. The event started in Thursday night. The first event, first party was everything great. And the second party in Friday night started in 10 p.m., something like that. And everything uh, go well till 6, 6.30 a.m. when uh, we start to see rockets in the sky. Um, and that moment, I told to all the security guys to tell the people to go out uh, from the party to the to the cars. We're yelling uh, on the people, go out, go out, and you know, the people is not 100% listening. Uh, that's what we're doing for almost, I think, half an hour, maybe less. I saw a lady uh, that all her head was bleeding. She yelling me, I need help, I need help. At that moment, we realized that something big is happening, and not just rockets. I met up with Din yesterday at his friend Emily's place on the 45th floor of a luxury apartment in Tel Aviv to hear his story. Din was a few minutes late. He was coming from seeing his therapist, something that he says has helped him a lot in the last two weeks. I was met by Binyamin, Emily's father, who immediately took me out to see the commanding view from his balcony. That's downtown Tel Aviv, he said, pointing north, and there's Gaza, he said, looking south. Every night at about 8 o'clock, the rockets start firing from Gaza, so I send the girls into the safe room and I come out here to watch the show, he says, referring to the Iron Dome's interception of the deadly missiles. Israelis are a strange breed. I think to myself. A few moments later, Din walks in. He's got these ripped black shorts on and a black t-shirt. He's sporting a goatee. He greets me with a smile, but it's one of those smiles that seems to be hiding tears. Sit with us if you can for a few moments and listen as Din describes the nightmare of what happened to him Saturday morning, October 7th at the Nova Musical Festival on a rural farmland next to the Gaza border. And in 7.30, we saw a few cars with a terrorist in the car. The distance between the terrorist and the security and the police was maybe 200, 250 meters, something like that. I saw them jump from the cars and start to shooting. And that moment, my friend Bar he told me that I need to, to run. 
I remember that I running and when I see left and right, I saw people dying from shooting. I run into the, the party. I send location to all my friends that text me and family and mom and girlfriend and everyone. And after a few minutes, we realized that the terrorists coming from another way. And they're coming from 360 degrees, from everywhere. I, I told the, the police guy, I was in the special forces, give me a weapon. And he told me, I'm sorry, but I can't give you anything. He threw me a spray, a spray pilpa. How do you say it? Pepper spray. Pepper spray. But nothing, nothing. I remember that me and maybe Eight, ten people together uh, start to run into the woods and we're running from hideout to hideout and when I say hideout it's like small bush, something like that. And that's what we're doing for almost two hours. We don't know where we are going to run and we don't have a connection and we run into the terrorists where I saw them from maybe 50, 60 meters between us. And that moment we were separated and I've been alone, completely alone. And the time is almost, I think, uh, 10.30, 10.40. And I just remember that I run and run and run. And I re remember that I see two cactus bush, one from the right and fr one from the left. And I just look to right and left. I just jump into the bush. The time is almost 11 and I just send location to every person that send me message in that time. The time is going and go and go another hour, another hour. And the time is almost 1 p.m. and I'm still in the bush. All the time you're, you heard the terrorists in Arabic and you heard the shooting and you heard the rockets and everything. And I just pray to God. In 2.24 p.m., my phone battery is died. In that point, you are disappeared from the world. Nobody knows what happened to you. I remember that when I sent location to my friends, so my friend told me that police will come and the army will come to, to get you out. But in that time, you realize that they can't to come to take you. Maybe 3, 3 something p.m. I'm still in the bush and I realized that three terrorists just come into my bush. And they come in from the right way and go out from the left. And I, for real, I don't know how it's happening, but it's a miracle but they didn't see me, just passed on me. And thank you God for this. Another hour, I think maybe 4 p.m., I'm still in the bush. It's very hot there, and I don't drink water from 6 a.m., something like that. I'm just thinking about the terrorists want to burn me alive. And at that time, you don't know what, what you prefer, how to die. You prefer that maybe shooting or maybe they burn me and it doesn't matter. And I choose 
not to move from the bush and the time is going and still going and almost I think 6.30 p.m. I'm still in the bush. It starts to darking a little bit. And all the time you hear a war, you hear the shooting all, always, all the time. I told myself, so or I'm going to die from no water or I'm going to die from hypothermia. Or maybe I prefer to, to escape and try to wave almost half hour for helicopter and no one see me and the time is almost 7, 7 p.m. It's dark and I told myself in that moment that I prefer to die but not coming to the, to the night. I don't want to spend my whole night in, uh, in the woods. I just don't know where to run. I don't have battery, I don't know where to go. And you heard uh, shooting all the time and you realize that the army it's there fighting with the terrorists and you don't know where to run. And I remember that I pray, Shmaisrael, and after the prayer I just run left. And where I run, I remember that I saw a lot of bodies on the ground, people and people dead. And I just run and run. I running for almost 20 minutes, but in that time you think that you're running hours and it was very, very hard. But I running and running. In one moment I just see lights from the car and in that moment you don't know if they're terrorists or maybe it's the army. After two seconds I told myself that I don't want to hide and what happened happened. And I just start to yelling, help me, help me, I need help. And thank you God again, he sent me two soldiers, then give me water, give me food, and, and then I call my mom, my girlfriend, my friends, tell them that I'm okay. I drive to hospital, from this hospital home. I take a shower for maybe two hours and I just crying and crying. And you don't realize in that moment what happened and what the, what is going on? And unfortunately, the story is not it's not over. In eight something, uh, my friend Bar, that now he is hostage by the Hamas. His young brother called me and told me, Dean, you know where is Bar? And I t just told him, No, I just got from the wood from nightmare. And and then he sent me a video. What's going on in this video? In the video, can you see how the people scared? Yeah. But Bar didn't. And how how he's strong. Where and are where are they in this video? I think maybe in Gaza. Uh -huh. I think in Gaza. And, and this video was released by Hamas. Yeah. What do we? Can you describe what you see in the video? I saw a lot of people in the ground with uh, something on their hands and yeah it's tough it's hard okay. his friend bar is on the ground still wearing his security guard shirt with a gash on his face he seems to be tied to another hostage who's lying next to him 
Three or maybe four other young men are also lying on the floor. One of them looks like he is absolutely in shock, shaking. The other is crying. Bar appears calm and is telling the others something. It looks like he's trying to soothe them. I think all my childhood was with Bar. His family also, like my second family. I go to, to Hagim, to Rosh Hashanah, or Hanukkah, this stuff, to his family. You know, it's very tough when I'm here and he's there. And I believe every day, every second in the day that he's coming back. And I miss you, Bar. I actually miss you. Could you just name for us right now as many of the emotions that you're feeling? Um, a lot of sadness. Sadness because, like I told you, I'm here and he's there. And I know that's what God wants and everyone is his story, but it still doesn't matter. I'm here and he's there. So sadness, it's basically my emotions because I'm thinking about it a lot. I lost my friend from the army also and my commander from the army also and my brother in now in Gaza, in the army. And every day it's, it's a war with yourself. How, how are you going to stand up? How are you going to do your day? And a lot of hope. My hope that this conflict with all these years, all this pain, all the, the death and all the tragedy, my hope it's going to be end once and forever, please. End this war one and forever because we, can, we can't anymore. We can't. I can't. I'm not going to be the same Dean that I was before this Saturday. It's a new Dean, but I'm here. And this is what it, it pointed here, that I'm in the life. There was just one thing that was still puzzling me. Along with those ripped black shorts and the matching t-shirt, Barr was also wearing a kippah on his head, which is typically a sign of religious observance here in Israel. However, he had mentioned that he was working at the party on Friday night and Saturday, which, of course, is the Jewish Shabbat. It made me wonder if the kippah was perhaps something new that he had started wearing after his tragic experience. And so... I asked you are him. Wearing a kippah on your head, is that something that you that you've always done, or is that that something that's new because of what happened to you? And I'm Ukraine. Like my mom, she's coming from Ukraine to Israel, and we are doing Rosh Hashanah, Hanukkah, and all of this. But uh, for real, I don't keep in uh, meat and milk. Uh, but I tell you what, I have an, a friend that his name is Ori. And he became religious. Every day in the, in the, in the morning, he's doing me a Torah lesson. And he teach me how to, again, to put filin just for two and a half months. But every day I, I do it filin and pray every morning. And, and after 7 October, when I understand what, what I've been through, I, I realized that it's only God helped me, and nobody else. And of course, the army is coming and all of this, but the kippah is very new for me. Uh, actually, yesterday it was my first day with the kippah, and my friend told me it looked good on me. So 
Um, I love the kippa. It, uh, it looks great on you. <laughs> Thank you. It's very important for me right now because I I really want to to say thank you for God because you have a lot of people that killed and a lot of bad stories but my story is that the God want me in alive God want me here and and every day you fight with yourself why me and and he is not and every day I keep telling myself that God want me alive God want me here and I have mission in this life and tell the world my story and tell the world what what actually the conflict between us and the Palestine and not just what the friend of the friend told you or video that he sent to you. So the keeper is very new and maybe in the future I, I will travel in the world and tell the people my story and maybe to change the world. I just want to say on, on behalf of all of our listeners, I want you to know that uh, the whole world is with you, the whole, the whole Am Yisrael. You're not alone. You have millions of people around the world who are supporting you, who care about you, who feel your pain with you, and of course who share your hope that your friend Bar will come home and all the hostages will come home and that this war will end very soon and forever, like you said. So I want to thank you for taking the time. I know it's not easy to share these stories, but it's important and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much also. Okay. This is Israel Take Three, and I'm David Began. Help us to share these stories with the world by subscribing, liking, and sharing this podcast. Thank you, Ellie Margolis, for consulting and for logistical support. And thank you, Adam Margolis, for this musical outro. We will continue to share these stories as things unfold here in Israel.